Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Children learn important biblical principles in the new book by Christina Gordon, Miranda Hogue Ward, and Destin E. It's titled A Destination Born with a Purpose, Book One. I'm really happy that Christina and Miranda are joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Could you tell me what A Destination Born with a Purpose is all about? Sure. So the book is more of an introduction to our children's book series. And it's about destiny and his journey to finding his purpose in serving God. And although you're following his experiences in an entertaining manner, there's biblical principles and scriptures to support all of his lessons and his challenges throughout the book. How did you get the idea to write this and release it to the world? Destin. (laughs) (laughs) We would watch Destin as he grew up. And a lot of the things that we were teaching him, you know, we would find scripture to support whatever it was that we were teaching him. Mm. From there, how we initially started was most of the night, even before Miranda got married and before Destin was born, sometimes we would sit around and play Uno or cards, or we'd be laughing two, three o'clock in the morning and something <laughs> would come up and we'd go, oh man, that belongs in the book. Write that down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then over a period of time, we started writing notes and putting things down that we would like to share with the world. And once Destin was born, you know, we knew that we wanted to teach him and right. teach him, you know, using biblical practices and we mm-hmm. wanted him to be a good person. And he was the inspiration for just about everything that we've written. (laughs) Now, this is book one of a series. How far along have you planned this? Wow. (laughs) Actually, you know, depending on his lessons, and uh, we actually have a topic for every stage that he's gone through so far, from the infant stage to the terrible twos (laughs) and the feeling threes and the frustrating fours. (laughs) So we have one for every stage so far, and he is four now. So right now, four books, but we do plan on continuing as he gets older. Yeah, I guess by the time he goes to college, we won't be able to see him and watch him. (laughs) (laughs) So he's on his own at that point, but (laughs) he'll have to write his own books at that point. (laughs) What sort of reading audience do you think would get the most out of this? This is for womb to tomb. Because we really started reading to Destin before Destin was born. We would encourage anybody with small children mm-hmm. or even teenagers. And, and honestly, as a grandmother, I sit and I listen to my daughter read to him. And sometimes I've been having you know some visual impairment. So, but there are times when I'll buy a book with large words so that I could you know read to him. Mm. And as far as we're concerned, the book can take you from the beginning 
all the way through the end. For Yeah, for children, it's a new lesson. For teenagers, it could be reminders. And for older generations, it's a way to help them to carry on their legacies and just speak to their grandchildren and their children about certain principles that they grew up with. And, you know, just to reinforce throughout the family and with their friends and neighbors. So it's, it's really a book for everyone. Yeah. Have you ever written or published before this? Yes and no. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> well, as a collaboration, I would say this is our first, first time. Yeah. Right. It's our first time. For me, when I was in elementary, I had a story of mine published. Um, it was for a contest, but I was the winner for the contest. And I was published in the newspaper. Now, as for my mom, that's a different story. Yeah. I have a, a background in mass media communication oh. and I've been writing. You know, there, there was a point in life where I once had a, a teacher who made me feel as though I didn't know how to write. Hmm. And so I went away to college and I met this wonderful woman and she says, you've got a gift and you just won't recognize that gift. She says, you refuse to accept the fact that you're able to write. Mm -hmm. And so I would just schedule, you know, time with her after school and uh, she would work with me. From there, uh, I worked in television for a while. From there, I worked in government and I had to write press releases and articles about events mm -hmm. that we've had. Whatever it was necessary, you know, working in city government, I wrote. The book is called A Destination, Born with a Purpose, Book One. This is written by Christina Gordon, Miranda Hogue Ward, and Destin E. Published by Christian Faith Publishing, you can buy it everywhere that you shop for books. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Christina, Miranda, thank you again for joining me. I had a wonderful time chatting with you tonight. Well, thank, thank you. you. We did too. We enjoyed it. Yes. Thank you so much, Corey. We truly appreciate it. And we're excited for everyone to go out and get the book. The American court system is far from perfect. And Mandel Williams details his struggles in his new book, The Drama All Over a Father's First Love. I'm really happy that Mandel is sitting with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Mandel, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me about the story that you're telling in the drama all over a father's first love? I sure can. Well, this story, I should say this book came out of a life experience that I had. It's kind of like a love story that leads into a drama that came unexpectedly. A child was born out of it and a lot of things took place. And I felt that it was my, my duty to share my story because I felt like a lot of people was experiencing the same thing that I was going through. So call it what you want to, but it was my, I guess, my calling to write this for myself as well as for others. And the struggle that you went through in family court, that's the brunt of this. So what kinds of things were you facing? Well, I was facing basically being alienated from my own child. I had to go through a system that I knew nothing about. And I learned firsthand of what it was like and what, what it takes you through. It is a, a painful, staking thing that you have to face to fight for your right as a parent. You know, no, no father or mother will want to do that, to put somebody through that and have a system not be on your side for that. It was absolutely mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. So I had to expose with my, my story, exposing the truth on what the system was doing to me as well as other people. As a parent myself, this certainly pulls at my heartstrings, and I know this is going to speak to a lot of people out there. Yes, sir. How yes, long sir. did it take you to write this and then get it out there for publishing? 
Well, it started, uh, I would say, maybe 16, 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. When I was going through it, it was just so much that I couldn't, you know, I used to tell people about it, but a lot of people couldn't put themselves in my shoes. And I was like, well, I need to express this more in detail. And that's what started my journey to brightness. And not only for me, but for my daughter that I never knew. You know, it was mm-hmm. kind of like a, a memoir about myself. And as well, as a father, she never knew. Like, we got cheated out of our relationship that we were supposed to have. So, yes, that's what kind of started this all. It took me a while to gather all my facts and all my information and put it all together. But it came out to be something incredible that I think a lot of people would enjoy it to read. Prior to this, what kind of writing background do you have? Have you written or published? No, this is absolutely my first. Absolutely my first. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) I never knew what writers went through. You know, I heard stories and uh, how they have writer block, how they have to go to a peaceful place, how they have to take little breaks and come back. And it moves you. It, It takes on another life of itself if you're really doing your job well. And that's what it did for me. So. Yes. Did you go through any of that writer's block and having to find somewhere to go to find those words? Yes, I did. I surely did. I I had to go to a lot of peaceful place. I had to do a lot of meditation. I had to do a lot of self-evaluation with myself because magic is like almost two decades in the making. And I did a lot of changing through that. So it shows in my writing as well. But it's also showing a young man evolving in this system and the outcome and the drama and the impact that it had on his life. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give now to aspiring authors who want to get their story out to the world? I would say if that's something you want to do and it's in your heart and it's in your, your thought and you think about it all the time, it's up to you to say, today is the day that I pick up a piece of paper, a pen, a pencil, or get on my laptop and just start. And let it take you where it's supposed to take you. Because everybody's different. Everybody's pace is different. But you have to say, this is something I want to do. And dedicate yourself to say, today is the day. I'm going to start. The name of the book is The Drama All Over a Father's First Love, written by Mandel Williams. It's published by Fulton Books. And you can find it everywhere you shop for your reading material. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Mandel, thank you again for joining me tonight. Thank you for your hard work on this really, really important book. I had a really nice time chatting with you tonight. You too as well, sir. Thank you for having me. Children learn the importance of humility in Franklin's Pride, A Lesson in Humility. It's the new book by John Jimenez, and John is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. John, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Could you tell me about the story in Franklin's Pride, A Lesson in Humility? Sure. So it uh, focuses on Franklin, who's a fire truck. He's proud of being a fire truck. He knows how important they are. So the story kind of uh, has him encounter some of his friends who are also trucks or dump truck and garbage truck, that sort of thing. And he feels a bit superior because uh, he's a fire truck and he's shiny and clean. But then he runs into a little bit of trouble that he can't get out of by himself. At first, he feels like he can, and then he realizes he needs some help. And uh, he starts to recognize the gifts that some of his friends have, and it teaches him the virtue of humility. That's a great story. Where did the idea for Franklin and the the fire truck come from? Well, actually, it sort of grew organically. I I have five boys, and when my oldest who's uh, almost 15 now, but when he was, uh, he was young, about two or three, and 
our second was just a baby. He loved playing with uh, service. He loved service vehicles and machinery, and he had these trucks and things like that. So we would play on the floor of his bedroom uh, with the with the uh, toys there, and I would kind of make up stories with him. And I realized, um, you know, we're trying to teach him things like virtues, and uh, those are, you know, obviously abstract, difficult to teach some a uh, little child like that. So we just started making up little stories with these trucks, and then I started just jotting them down in a notebook when the kids were at swimming lessons or things like that at the pool, just sort of uh, jotted down some ideas and eventually turned it into into the book. What age of children do you think would get the most out of this? I mean, it's a, it's a picture book, so it's an early uh, child's picture book. Probably younger children ages, I would think, beginning at, you know, one or two. The pictures are, are really good. I didn't draw them myself, but the illustrator did an excellent job. So I think it's visually pleasing to younger kids. And then all the way up to, I would think, early elementary, you know, when we're really trying to teach virtues and um, want to help the kids grasp abstract ideas like that. You mentioned the illustrations. Was that a smooth process then, working with the illustrator and getting your vision to line up on the page? Yeah, yeah, it really was. I was very impressed. Um, did a great job, but um, gave me some samples of different styles, and I kind of gave some feedback of what I thought would work, and then... They showed me the, you know, the, the storyboard, I guess you call it. And uh, I didn't have too many suggestions. They did a great job. Mm. Is this the first time you've written? Have you done this kind of thing before? Well, I've, I've written for a long time, but this is my first time writing anything like a children's book. Mm. So I've done, you know, writing and editing for community newspapers and trade magazines. And I've done some educational things for older children, textbooks and such. But this is my first foray, I guess, into children's books. Mm. How long were you working on it? Well, you know, like I mentioned, uh, we started playing with the idea, or I just, I guess, playing with my son, really, probably over 10 years ago and uh, jotting things down in a notebook. But I didn't really kind of seriously look at putting it into anything I could publish until, uh, until a couple of years ago. And then um, sort of, you know, took my time with the process just mm. because, you know, life sometimes <laughs> happens and it's busy. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you have any words of advice for aspiring authors that also want to get their book published? Well, you know, I, I can only speak for myself, but I, I'm glad that, that I eventually did it. It's easy to, you know, like I said, to sort of take, take your time and other things get in the way. But I'm glad that I went ahead and, uh, and took a shot with it. Luckily, I still have younger children that, can, uh, that I can enjoy it with, and hopefully other people will as well. So I would say, you know, for, for any author, if you have an idea, the only advice would be to go for it. <laughs> now, I noticed that this is part of the Engines of Virtue series, so I assume there's more on the way. Well, I hope so. I have written some other uh, ideas. That this story introduces the reader to five different vehicles. And so I have written so far five stories hmm. that teach things like uh, this one teaches humility, one teaches sacrifice, one teaches courage, honesty, things like that. So hopefully that will be something that I'll be able to get the others published eventually as well. Fantastic. Can you tell me the kinds of things that were going through your head when you got that first physical copy in your hands after working on it for so long? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was exciting. Uh, you know, I'll admit I'd seen uh, sort of markups on the computer. They'd sent me images of what it would look like. So I knew that, um, like I said, I knew the illustrations were going to be good. But yeah, when I actually uh, was able to, to hold a copy of it, it was pretty exciting. And my boys sat down and we, <laughs> we read through it together. They were, they were probably more excited than I was. But <laughs> yeah, it was an exciting moment. The book is called Franklin's Pride, A Lesson in Humility, written by John Jimenez and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your reading material, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. John, thank you again for joining me tonight, 
Really appreciate learning about this book and hope maybe we can speak again soon. That'd be great. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I'm very happy to welcome author Jaguar to the Reader House Author Roundtable right now. Jaguar, thank you for being here with me today. Thank you for inviting me. You've got a new book out right now, and it's called Dream. Can you tell me all about it? Well, Dream is book one of three that I'm currently working on. It's mainly about a young woman's struggle with herself, her family, and fate. As we go through life, we always find issues about what we want versus what our family wants for us versus right and wrong, everything. And this is about her trying to figure out herself, her best interests, love, life, tragedy, all of it. Where did the idea for this story come from? Well, growing up, I've always been a huge fan of cryptids, Hmm. myths, legends, all of it. And I've always loved the stories of the Navajo skinwalkers. Hmm. And... Shakespeare has always been a really big influence for me. I've always wanted to do a Romeo and Juliet style book. And that's really hard to do with like normal cryptids like werewolves, all that, because it's overdone Mm. really bad. (laughs) And then I found out about the skinwalkers and I was like, I think I could make this work. Have you written before this? Yes. When I first started to write this book years ago, I was doing two books at once. And this is the first book that I've officially published, but I have written. And how long were you working on this one? I started working on it back in 2009 and finally finished it around mid-2010. And then I ran into certain life issues and hardships and all that, so I put it away and never looked at it again. And then finally, after I graduated college in 2020, I found the folder looked at it, started to read it again, decided to turn it into a trilogy instead of a one-book-that's-it type deal, and self-published it. How far are you along in planning out book two and book three now? Do you know where those ones are going? Yes. I just turned in the manuscript for my second one, and I'm currently working on finishing the third one. Do you have advice now for aspiring authors that also want to publish their first work? Yes. Just keep at it. Your mind is going to be your biggest critic, and it is going to be the decision-making factor on if you continue it or not. You're always going to find a way to get inside your head and question your stories, the plot, how you lay it out. And then you're going to start to wonder if it's even going to be good enough. Mm. So just keep at it. Don't let your mind get to you to where you just you drop it because you're afraid of rejection. Keep at it. Now, I have the feeling that you're something of an avid reader. Am I right? Yes. Are you drawn to books that are sort of like dream, or are you drawn to other things? I try not to limit myself to just one or two things. I like to venture off into the world of just fantasy. But I find the books that are horror, suspense, sort of help open my mind more to the possibilities that I could use for my own books. Hmm. But... If I find something that looks interesting, I'll usually read the reviews, and if the reviews are just glowing, then I'll pick it up, whether it's horror, suspense, heartwarming, romance, it doesn't matter. 
Can you tell me what was going through your head, maybe the, the things you were feeling whenever you received your first physical copy of this book? You've been looking at it for so long just on the computer screen. When you finally get to hold it in your hands, what kinds of things are you thinking? Out of all the things that I've felt in my life, that feeling was unbelievable. It really brought together the fact that this was all real. I had a physical book. It had my name in it. It had my picture in it. It had my story in it. It had the new book smell. I felt the pages. I reread it. It took a while to get in my head that this was legit. This was really going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that you just can't put into words. Mm. Again, this book is called Dream. It's written by Jaguar and published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your reading material. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Jaguar, thank you again for joining me tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. You too. Thank you so much for having me. It's described as the book that is long overdue yet very much needed. It's called Playtime is Over. Brace yourself like a woman, man. The author, Derek E. Anderson, is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Derek, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for having me. I appreciate your kindness. Could you tell me all about Playtime is Over? Yes, sir. Playtime is Over is a book that's been laying in my heart for a while, and I decided to finally publish it because it was a message that was needed for the hour that we're in, where we have a lot of sexual promiscuousness going on, and we have a lot of people that's being hurt, abused, and damaged at the hand of someone who was only trying to get their own sexual gratification, and they didn't care how they left someone afterwards. How long were you working on writing it and getting it published? Well, it's been a few years, maybe three to four years it's been in my heart, and I've just been delaying. Mm -hmm. You know how we say we're too busy for certain things, but then as I watched a lot of people in my line of work come to me talking about the subjects that's been in my heart, I knew it was time to publish. Mm. Is this the first time you've published? It is. It is. I've been writing for a while, but to actually publish something and buckle down and get it done, this is my first work. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. What did it feel like when you got that first physical one in your hands? I'm sure after all that hard work and all that time just seeing it on the computer screen, what was going through your mind? It was a gamut of thoughts, actually, to just hold something that, you know, started from scratch pieces of paper and just an idea. It, it was a it was a relief. It wasn't that overjoyed feeling that most people tell me they felt after publishing because I knew the subject matter was going to be controversial. Hmm. Looking ahead, are you thinking about doing it again, writing another book, going through the publishing process again? I am. I really enjoy Christian faith publishing. I enjoyed the people that came in my path to help me along the way. It's something I look forward to. Actually, a lot of people who have read the first work told me they're looking forward to the next one. Fantastic. Do you have advice for aspiring authors who also want to get their first book out to the world? I do. I would tell them, like I was told, that everybody has a story mm. and not everyone is willing to tell it. And as I wrote in the book, I learned after talking to people a little further, not everyone knows how to tell it. So I encourage them to take their story and pin the first words, the first words that come out of their heart, just pin it in 
and the rest will follow. Now, often it's helpful if you have people in your life who know that you're writing a book, knowing that you're getting it out there, and they can be there to support you, motivate you, and encourage you a little bit when you need it. Did you have people around you like that? I did, actually. And not to give too much of the beginning of the book away, my mother was an unpublished author, but Hmm. she was constantly writing. My sister constantly writing, my brother constantly writing. So we came from a family of individuals that love writing, but no one has taken the time to settle down and pen it out. So friends, family, co-workers, they were just telling me to go for it. Mm. You know, we only live once. If it's, it's something that people need to hear, then go ahead and put it together. So that's what kept me motivated. Sounds like you came from a family of passionate writers. And often that means there's a lot of reading involved. Would you call yourself an avid reader as well? Yes, sir. Those are my my two favorite things, reading and writing. I enjoy reading, actually, more than I do (laughs) writing. It opens up your knowledge base, and it helps you paint other pictures when you take in other material. Absolutely. Derek's book is called Playtime is Over. Brace Yourself Like a Woman, Man. Of course, written by Derek E. Anderson. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can buy this everywhere that you pick up your reading material, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Derek, thanks again for joining me tonight. I had a very nice time talking. Yes, sir. Thank you for your time. I appreciate you all doing the interview, and I look forward to the next publication. A Recovering Addict's Journey is in the pages of the new book by C.S. Bear titled Life After 40, A Semi-Autobiographical Guide. I'm really happy that C.S. is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. C.S., thank you for being here with me today. Oh, it's a pleasure being here, and thanks for having me. Could you tell me what you've written about here in Life After 40, A Semi-Autobiographical Guide? What it is is uh, kind of a journey through an addiction. I went through the pain pills three years ago. Hmm. It's uh, based off a lot of events that happened in my life. Uh, how I got started with the addiction also talks about, you know, some of the things that, that I guess your mind, you can say your mind goes through while you're using, you know, normally the stereotypical thing is, is that they're doing it to get high and and it wasn't. Uh, I used heavily for three years and I can tell you for two years, I never got high. I just kept from getting sick. So it, it, it it's kind of a reflection into the addict's mind based upon my life as an addict and some of the things I've done and some of the some of the things that we as people overlook. Mm. There is, a you know, I, I, I like to tell everybody it's about life, love, addiction, along with some other stuff. So it's not, you know, it, it, it's like a whole life event. That, that's probably the best way I know to put it. <laughs> what gave you the idea? Was there anything in particular that inspired you to write this? My wife was the main one that inspired me. I uh, came up with the concept my first night of detoxing. I was actually in my brother's basement. He helped me detox through this. And I was sitting there thinking of things to preoccupy my mind. And I just started, well, you know, why don't we look? Because I was literally had just turned 40. You know, so the idea I kicked around in my head for probably four years and I'd sit down and told my wife about it and I talked to my older brother about it and uh, they said I should sit down and write the story. Hmm. So I did. (laughs) What would you say was the most challenging part of that whole process? 
reliving everything I wanted to forget. You know, there it, it's quite it was quite an emotional roller coaster for me. You know, there are because you know the main character in there is me and my wife, and it's my actual son, and it's my actual brother, and not that all the events are, happened exactly that way, but they're pretty close to it. So going back to those days that I'd gotten away from, and you know, I, I didn't want to relive it, and I, but that was probably the toughest part because I tried real hard to capture what was going through my head at those times. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not what an English teacher would call an A student. So that was probably the hardest part. Is this the first time you've written a book or have you done this kind of thing before? I have wrote stuff before, but I've never showed it to anybody. I've always been, and that was another big step for me doing this was releasing the book. Hmm. I've kind of kept a lot of my stuff, you know, that I've done privately, but no, not as in this is my very first published book. Yeah. It's a huge accomplishment, publishing a book. A lot of people say, hey, I'm going to publish a book someday, but most of them don't. Uh, how did it feel when you got that first physical copy in your hands? Well, my, my wife uh, videotaped me opening the box with it. I had to have her edit it because I cried a little bit. It was a big accomplishment. It's a big accomplishment for me, and it's, it was a huge stepping stone over from where I was from where I am. I never quite seen myself as a writer. Hmm. I've never... You know, me and my wife were married real young. We uh, got married. We I had commencement for high school on Sunday, had our first born that Wednesday, got my driver's license that Friday, started my, my first Father's Day the next week. I've always wanted to do art and do stuff like that, and I had, but I got away from it to become a dad. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of, it, it, it was nice, but it was scary too, mm-hmm. because here is everything that you've done uh, that we don't talk about, that we put in that book of secrets that. I released it, the title. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a little scary. Would you think of writing another and publishing another eventually? Actually, I'm working on one right now. Wow. Is this along the same lines, or are you venturing somewhere else? Absolutely, completely different. I like uh, true crime stuff. I have been fascinated with D.B. Cooper since 1980. I was seven years old at the doctor's office. I seen where they had found the money. So I'm kind of working a story around uh, the D.B. Cooper story. I know it's coming up on the 50th anniversary. And so I thought, well, you know, I'll give this, this a shot. Do you have any words of advice for aspiring authors who are looking to publish their first book as well? Write what you like. Write what you like. Whether it's something, children's book, corny, kooky, whatever, write what you like. And that would be it. Same as with, you know, with anything you do. Do, it, do what you enjoy. It's a lot easier to write a book about something that you know about or enjoy than it is to do something you know nothing about or don't enjoy. So, The book is called Life After 40, a semi-autobiographical guide written by C.S. Bear and published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. C.S., thank you again for joining me today. You're helping a lot of people here. I had a really nice time chatting tonight. Oh, I, it's been a pleasure being here with you. I appreciate you having me on the air. Readers gain better appreciation and enjoyment of their environment in the new book by Frederick Buse. It's titled Anticipation, the Effects of Climate and Environmental Changes on the Annual Cycle of Life on the Flora and Fauna in a Suburban Backyard. I'm really happy that Frederick is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Frederick. Thank you for being here tonight. Well, thank you for asking. 
Can you tell me what you've written about in anticipation? It's the, basically the annual cycle of outside life. And it's not just the birds. It's, it's about the flowers and the insects and the weather and the idea of the anticipation of this every month of the year. But my month, my year, I should say, starts in March, not in January, because that's the beginning of life. Mm. What kinds of readers do you think would get the most out of this? Well, the book could be good for gardeners. It would be good for nature people and environmentalists. I can imagine there was a lot of research that was involved in this. How long were you working on anticipation? Over five years as far as writing it, but the data I've been taking is almost 50 years' worth. Now, when it came to publishing it and putting it in that format to be put out there for the world, what was that process like? Was that challenging? Uh, yes, it was. thing is, I try to keep it consistent from one month to another. I put in a lot of data. My first draft was 1,100 pages. Wow. And no publisher would touch that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I took three months and cut it down to 566. And uh, I have over 300 illustrations. Were those original illustrations by you? Did you work with an artist? No, I did them all myself. Wow. So a lot of different talents being put to work here. <laughs> I don't know if it's talent, but anyhow. <laughs> I not only have pictures, but I have a lot of Excel charts which showed a progression of life for almost 30 years and sometimes 15 years. Wow. Now, looking ahead, do you plan on maybe writing some more? I would say, let's see how this book comes out first. <laughs> <laughs> do you have advice for people who are looking to publish as well? You have to be very patient. That, that's the main thing. Great advice. Now, you've been working on this for a long time, and it's often helpful to have people around you in your life who can motivate you and encourage you and just keep you going. Did you have people like that in your life? Oh, yes, I did. I'm a master gardener for Penn State. Hmm. So a lot of the other master gardeners, they would give me advice. Well, that's fantastic. Now, when it comes to reading, are you an avid reader? Uh, I like um, adventure novels. I'm a Clive Custer fan. Oh, that's good stuff. So when you got the physical copy in your hands for that first time after working on it for so long, and I'm sure seeing most of it on the computer, what kinds of things were going through your head? What were you feeling? Uh, I was elated. It's quite a process to publish. It. Publishing took a year in itself. What do you think now that you can look in the mirror and say, hey, now I'm officially a published author? I say at my age, I feel pretty good about that. Any final words that you'd like our listeners to know about anticipation? Yes, this book is not, is not a typical bird book where you just look the type of bird. This book will give a lot of insight and little tales about the interconnection between the birds and also the perennials. I try to connect, like when the birds are migrating, how does that par up when the uh, various plants are blooming? So if I know plants are going to be blooming, I can say, well, I should be getting a certain bird within the next week or so. And uh, the weather, the weather is a big factor. I realize after putting all this together, how much of a fact the weather is on this anticipation. Hmm. So I made a whole section on just the weather. And it's, it's interesting things like if we have a very large snowfall one year, almost inevitably the next year we have almost no snow. Hmm. 
So I call these spikes, and the spikes are not just in weather, but also the way the perennials and the way the birds come. So it's a different type of book. Well, Frederick, thank you for all of your hard work on this. Again, the book is called Anticipation, The Effects of Climate and Environmental Changes on the Annual Cycle of Life on the Flora and Fauna in a Suburban Backyard. Of course, this is written by Frederick Buse and published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your books. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Frederick, thank you again for joining me here tonight. I had a really nice time chatting with you. Thank you, Corey. Ralphie Rhino's Big Game is a new book that teaches children confidence and the importance of setting goals. It's written by Kevin Uvery, and he's sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Kevin, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. Can you tell me all about the story that's told in Ralphie Rhino's Big Game? Sure. Ralphie Rhino's Big Game is a story about a young rhino who lacks a lot of self-confidence. He thinks he's too big. He thinks he's too slow. He has this horn that always seems to get in the way. But anyways, he's on the sidelines and he's watching all these other children play a game. It's kind of like a game similar to football but they play it with a Frisbee ring, but the same kind of rules type of thing. And But anyways, to make a long story short, so to speak, his father gives him the confidence to go out and ask if he can get in on the game. And it ends up being the things about him that he thinks hinder him that actually help him to win the game. So it's a very inspirational story. It's designed to help with children that kind of have self-doubt or look at themselves in a negative way, you know, or just don't think they have the things that that can make them fit in. So I wrote that book based on personal things that happened to me when I was a child. That's a fantastic message. I was going to ask you what inspired you to write this. When I was about a year and a half old, and I'm 55 now, so this is back in, say, 1968, they used to have, you remember the glass baby bottles that they used to have? Yeah. Well, my mother had me on the bed, and I had fallen asleep with the bottle in my mouth, and she left the room for a minute, and the bottle rolled off the bed onto a hard floor and shattered, and I ended up rolling off of the bed, landing on the bottle, and it it literally split my left eye in half. Oh, no. So... It was a very severe injury, and I was about a year and a half old, and my mother said that it was particularly sad because I had just started walking, and they literally had to strap me down for months while I was healing to keep my hands from touching my eye, you know? Oh, my gosh. So after that, I had to learn how to walk all over again. But anyways, growing up with that injury, young kids, they can be mean. They can tease you about the way your eye looks because it was definitely disfigured. My eye was like a milky white color, and it was smaller than my other eye, and there was a scar above my eye, and... Children can sometimes be mean, not knowing any better, you know, and then teenagers, even worse. And even adults can say some damaging things that, you know, the world that we live in nowadays, it's like you're judged on the way you look or how you perform or these types of things. And and it it created a lot of self-doubt in me and a lot of animosity. And it took me most of my younger years until I got into high school to really get through that and get past all of that. But, but yeah, that's where the inspiration for the book came from. What's your writing background like? Have you ever done anything like this before? 
I've been writing since I was a little kid mm-hmm. and my family and my friends have always tried to talk me into writing. You know, I've, I've written poems, I've written songs. I'm working on a fiction book right now called An Apple a Day. I'm working on a children's animated movie called Stinkbug Swindle. And I have two more Ralphie books on the way. One's already done, but I'm kind of waiting to... This one just came out, so I'm waiting to get this one promoted and going. And then I'm going to release the next one probably sometime around Christmas. And that one is called Ralphie Rhino's First Day at School. And then the one immediately following that is Ralphie Meets a Bully. It's all about teaching children about the issues that we deal with in our current world. Well, Kevin, thank you for using your creativity and your talents to put out some great messages here for children. The book is called Ralphie Rhino's Big Game, of course, written by Kevin Uveri and published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere that you get your reading material, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Well, Kevin, thank you again for joining me tonight. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. Church Boy Love is the new novel by Adrian D. Nelson. I'm really happy that Adrian is sitting down here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Adrian, thanks for joining me today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Could you tell me what the story is that you've written here in Church Boy Love? Long story short, it's a mushy and fun, albeit spine-chilling, raw-footed love story about a once-Christian teenage boy in Jamaica who basically excelled at everything. But over the years, he eventually, like so many church folks, lost his faith and his way after, let's say, a series of life experiences questioned his belief in God, or even if there was a God. So he walked away from the church to start a a journey on his own ideologies, but unintentionally walked right into the devil's hands. And as part of a bright spark, he found hope and love after meeting and dating a devoted Christian girl who eventually led him back to church. Or so they thought, as the loving relationship came with some brutal, unforgiving consequences. And this is basically his story about the taboo lifestyle of what happens behind closed doors with Christians and with church folks that nobody dares to talk about or nobody ever wants to hear about. And he dared to tell his story, as I have, because this is my story. I am that guy. Hmm. And here we are. That's what I was going to ask you next, where you got the idea for this. So there's a big personal element in this plot. Absolutely. This is my story. This is my journey. And as I said, it's something that most church folks don't want to talk about. It's like a secret society. You mind your business, you hush your mouth, you look the other way. I don't want to jump the gun, but I was a journalist and novelist over 20 years while living in Jamaica. So writing has always been my forte. And while currently working with the Postal Service as a federal employee, I plan to retire in 12 years and become a novelist because that has always been my passion, my, my drive, my inspiration, my career. And one night, about a year and a half ago, I was restless about two or three in the morning. I couldn't sleep. And out of the blue, a voice said to me, get up and go right. And I said to that voice, you got to be kidding me, right? My alarm is going to go off in three hours for work. And the voice said, no, get up and go right. And I listened to that positive voice in my head, as crazy as 
as it might sound. Mm -hmm. And I got up, I sat around the computer and I said, where do you want me to start? And long story short, a couple hours later, I was at chapter three. I didn't know what I was writing. I was just typing like there was just a voice in my head that says, don't worry about what to type next, just keep typing. Mm. The story, basically the voice said, this story can't wait 12 years until you retire to be told. This story has to be told now. Mm. And here we are. Prior to this, have you written or been published? I have written three productions, drama productions, Hmm. in terms of stage plays, but never a novel. So this is my debut novel. Congratulations on getting that first novel published out there. Uh, What was going through your head? What feelings were you experiencing when you got your first physical copy in your hands? Goosebumps. I, I listened to that positive voice in my head and... It was a humbling experience, to be honest. Mm. I am not worried about, a lot of people are saying this is going to be a blockbuster bestseller. This is going to be a movie. But where's your picture in a novel? I'm like, this is not about me. This is not about the messenger. This is about the message. And I am humbled and I thank God for the fact that I obeyed and I listened. It's published and it's in his hands now. Adrian's book is called Church Boy Love, of course, written by Adrian D. Nelson. It's published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for your books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. Adrian, thanks again for stopping by the show. I had a really nice time talking with you. Hey, I appreciate it, man, and and thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's a book of poetry and hope. It's titled, Poems of Inspiration and Faith, A Life's Journey with God. It's written by John N. Garns, and he's joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. John, thank you for being here with me tonight. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Can you tell me about the poetry that you've written in Poems of Inspiration and Faith? Well, it's a book of poems I've written for 45 years. It's basically about my life, uh, my walk with the Lord. And things I see, things I feel, just trying to encourage people to come back to the Lord. So this is 45 years worth of poetry. How long did it take you to collect everything and put it into the format to be published? I've been writing since 1977. Took me about maybe a year to combine everything and get it ready for publication. What sort of target audience do you think would benefit the most from your poetry? I think just about. I think about just anybody. It's geared toward everybody, put it that way, yes. My poetry sometimes is like a warning. Seeing we're going the wrong direction, we need to turn around and follow Jesus. What's your writing background like? Have you published before? Not really. I had a um, a similar book formatted, but it was not very not very well done. So I decided to uh, go with another company, uh, another publisher, and get it done right. Now looking ahead, would you think about doing this again, publishing more? I don't know. It depends on how well this book sells. It's a possibility. I've been doing a lot of writing lately. There's a few bo- few poems that didn't make it in this book. So the future's up in the air at this point. I don't really know what I'm going to do. Do you have advice for aspiring authors that also want to publish their work? I'd say if you have a market, if you have, a, uh, if you have something to say, yeah, go for it. Now, when you got that first physical copy in your hands after working on it for so long, what sorts of thoughts and feelings were going through your mind? 
it was a great feeling knowing that knowing that I've accomplished it. A little tense, maybe you know, wanting to know if, if it's actually a sell, but I believe it's, it's just a good book, and I believe that people are going to be encouraged by it. Do you have a certain time and place that you like to write your poetry, or do you just sort of write wherever and whenever the inspiration hits you? Yeah, it's basically it. I, I basically whenever I, I uh, sometimes get little notes, make little notes of things that pop in my head. For instance, like uh, I was actually in church the other day and found an old note that I had written, the start of a poem, and so I sat right there and just finished it, just the right place at the right time. Hmm. Do you have people in your life around you who know that you're writing, know that you're publishing books, and can inspire you or motivate you and give you what you need to keep going? Uh, I can't say there's any one particular individual. I've had many people encourage me through the way, people who have told me to keep writing, who have enjoyed my writing. But there wasn't one particular person. John, do you ever get writer's block? Oh, sure. Sure. There's been times when I might have written one or two in a year, or maybe none at all. And then there's times when, such as this year, I've written about maybe 10 poems so far. So yeah, writer's block is def- definitely goes with the territory. Is there anything you do for inspiration to get the ideas going again? Uh, reading my Bible, for one thing, mm-hmm. and church, just listening and watching, watching what's going on in the world. When I advance, you might say, my faith. When I continue in faith, then my eyes are more wide open to what's going on around me. The book is called Poems of Inspiration and Faith, A Life's Journey with God. It's written by John N. Garns and published by Fulton Books. You can find this everywhere that you shop for books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores, too. John, thank you for joining me tonight. I had a really nice time talking with you. Well, thank you. It's been good to be here. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.